Welcome as you join us for this service from the Ellesmere Port Methodist Churches here on the Wirral. However you are joining us, we pray that God will really bless you through the words you hear and through the way the Spirit speaks into your heart. Let's pray. Lord, as we draw near to you today, may we know your presence. Speak to us through the words we hear. Speak to us through your spirit into our hearts as we meditate on your greatness and on your love. In Jesus' name, amen. And we begin with great hymn, We Have a Gospel to Proclaim. Rejoice to name him King, Jesus is Lord of all the earth. This gospel message we proclaim, we sing his glory, tell his worth. We have two Bible readings together now, read to us by Sarah Wardle and Julia Pike from 
Little Sutton Church. I'm sure you'll see the connection. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John chapter 10, reading verses 11 to 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not as this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and the authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. This next song picks up that theme of the shepherd. It's one I recorded years ago when we were in India with two good friends. Louise, who was an English fiddle player, and Sanjeev, who was an Indian sitar master. It will lead us into our prayers of recognition of just where we stand with God as we come before him in confession. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus. 
chasing the dark, bringing the light, stirring a love yet of this song remind us that you see everything but that your eye is one of love and concern we are aware of the marks and blemishes we carry in our hearts in our minds we have thought and spoken wrongly we have failed to love as we should we have seen our brothers and sisters in need and we have not helped them forgive us lord We are aware also of the wounds and the pain we carry in our hearts, in our minds. We have been injured by the words and actions of others and by the grief we have felt at our own many unkindnesses. Heal us, Lord. But most of all, we are aware of your love and your strength, the love that will not let us go. We ask that you will chase away the darkness in our lives, bring us into your dawn and make us whole. In Jesus' name. So often when we come before God, we come with a need to be healed, with a need to be heard. And we're so thankful that God is prepared to listen to our faintest cry and is prepared to bring healing where there are wounds and bring correction where there are faults. We're going to listen to a great hymn written by Rob Bell and Graham Maul from the Iona community. It's a very well-known tune, Ye Banks and Braes of Bonnie Doon. Actually, in listening to this tune, I, I 
listen to the first time properly to that song and it's a wonderful song of lament worth using sometime in a service in, in and of itself. But here it is used for the words written by Rob and Graham. We cannot measure how you heal or answer every sufferer's prayer. Yet we believe your grace responds where faith and doubt unite to care. Grace responds where faith and doubt unite to care. Your hands, though bloodied on the cross, survive to hold and death to life and cradle children yet Let your spirit 
us here to mend the body, mind, and soul to disentangle peace from pain and make your broken people whole. The first letter of John, chapter 3, verses 16 to 24. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has seen the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need, and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God and we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit he has given us. I have learned a new skill during lockdown, knitting. Well, not exactly. I can't actually knit, but I've become pretty good at interpreting knit knitting patterns for my wife. Have a look at this. Can you follow all that? If so, please come round to my house after lockdown finishes and give me a break. Now, I'm not really comparing the Bible to a knitting pattern, but certainly in passages like the one we've just heard read, there is a, a complexity to it, and it pays to give close attention to the words and see how they're all put together. It's only when you follow it carefully, line by line, that you really get the complete message. So what's the overall picture that this passage is endeavouring to give us. Well, if you glance through, you'll see a few key words that help us straight away. Three words stick out to me, love. This is John's great theme. He was known as the apostle of love. And right through his letters, you'll see the emphasis on love. Commandments. And that's interesting because what it's telling us is that the love that, that John is talking about is not some woolly kind of feel good, oh everything will be alright in the end, do what you like kind of experience. But it's rooted in behaviour 
and in belief. And then the third word that sticks out that's used a lot, and John uses it a lot uh, in his gospel and in his letters, is this word abide. It's a nice old-fashioned word that we don't talk about very much. Uh, we know the hymn, abide with me. That's probably the first thing that comes to mind. But of course, the noun associated with that verb is abode. That's a little bit more common. And we all know the expression, no fixed abode. And it strikes me that that's actually a good description for a lot of people emotionally and spiritually in our day and age. They're people with no fixed abode. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5, Paul gives quite similar advice. Examine yourselves to see whether you are living in the faith. Test yourselves. So this passage we're looking at today is likewise focused on the heart and encourages us to examine ourselves. It does two things. It offers us a test and it offers us reassurance. Its intention is not to sow doubt in our hearts, but to draw us into closer obedience to God and, and richer and deeper fellowship and relationship with Christ. May God do that for us as we meditate on this passage together today. We're going to think about three kinds of heart that I'm sure we've all experienced at one time or another. The first heart we're going to talk about is the condemning heart. I don't know whether it's just me or whether it's my age or whether it's the lockdown, but it's certainly much more frequent for me now that as I'm doing nothing in particular or as I'm walking around or something catches my attention or I read something and it vividly brings back some incident in life and often it comes with a pang of a sense of guilt and a sense of wrong. Uh, David used an expression in one of his psalms where he said my sins are always before me and there's a, a sense in which we often get reminded, or I do anyway, of things that I've said, things that I've done, which, oh gosh, I wish I could go back and and swallow that. There's one or two that come to mind regularly and I think, how could you have spoken in such an unkind way? How could you have demeaned that person in that way? It doesn't bear thinking about sometimes. I got a an interesting quite a lengthy email from a, a former colleague from when we worked in India at Woodstock School. And essentially, this is going back maybe seven or eight years, she was writing to ask my forgiveness. She was writing to say that it had slowly dawned on her and she'd realised that when we were working together, she treated me badly. And she hadn't shown me as it were, the respect that was due as a fellow Christian, but as someone in authority, you know, this this kind of thing. She just felt bad and felt she wanted to put it right. 
Well, it was quite nice to be able to write back to her and say that it, it wasn't something that had weighed on my mind. I had no grudge against her. I could hardly remember the incidents. I had to sort of think back and realise what she was talking about. That's one of the advantages of having a really bad memory. Uh, you've got to work really hard to insult me in such a way that I'll remember it and carry a grudge against you because I, I, I tend to forget what's going on half the time. But on a more serious note, it was good to be able to write back to her and say, in one sense, her concerns were um, not justified because f as far as I was concerned, it wasn't something that had hurt me. It wasn't something that had lived with me. But in another sense, it was really good that she'd done this. Because it's often said that um, forgiveness and guilt and things like that, they, they reflect more on, on the person who's carrying the burden than on the person who's being offended. And so it was wonderful to be able to write to her and say, you know what, you've done a good thing and may, may God bless you for that. You haven't hurt me, but I'm so glad that you've put this right in your own heart. And sometimes we have to do that. And sometimes we have to go back to things that we've said to people, things that we've done. And we have to re recognise what we've done wrong. That's one.